Good afternoon. You are listening to Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. Welcome, welcome. This week, we're going to be talking to Hung Kyu Kim, who is a traditional oriental painter. And his work was really, really cool. The first time I saw it, I couldn't believe it. It's actually painting on silk. And I was just really shocked at how he managed to get the such bright and colourful pigments. And then the closer I looked, the more I realised that the narratives that he's talking about are absolutely fascinating they're a fusion of sort of different ideas from different cultures and lots of different stories lots of different narratives and there's also quite a high political element to his work too so we end up talking about not only traditional oriental painting and the use of color and his use of natural pigments but also how art is used as a vehicle to explore and understand political ideas and sometimes really hard-hitting political ideas we touch upon political nihilism as well as a topic and hunky is really really good at sort of explaining the ideas behind his specific pieces so I really hope that you enjoy our interview and then at the end I'm gonna go through some of the tips that I gave on BBC Radio Cambridgeshire for staying creative and sane uh, looking like we're heading potentially into staying indoors a lot more Uh, I won't say the word lockdown but (laughs) but yeah so after my interview with Hunky listen out for those tips and tricks if you have kids or if you don't have kids, this will hopefully be useful to you. So here is my interview with traditional oil painter Hung Q. Enjoy. I am here with Hung Q, who is a traditional oriental painter. Hi, how are you? Hi, good. Hi, good to see you. It's so lovely to have you with me. Um, when I saw your work for the first time, I was absolutely enthralled. I think it's absolutely stunning. Um, <laughs> it's a crazy, crazy, right? <laughs> There's so many things happening there. We're going to get into speaking about the specifics, but there are some there are some really awesome ideas and kind of the fusion of like a bit spacey and then there's like more traditional side of it. And it's it's just absolutely beautiful. But I'm going to get you, if it's OK with you, to uh, talk a, little about, a bit about your practice to, for the listeners, because I think it's always better coming from yeah. the artist. So can you describe for us the work that you do? Um, basically, my practice is based on traditional oriental silk painting. Uh, which is generally used for religious paintings in East Asia culture. Um, Buddhism painting is one of the most typical examples, I think. Uh, however, as a contemporary artist, um, I'm using the method to produce allegorical paintings with my imagination to bridge between the past and the present, and the East and the West, and most of all, the reality and the fiction. Um, through that practice, I attempt to reconstruct a road that numberless political artists have paved for the tradition of the oppressed through my subtle, fantastic world. Um, to grasp the hidden meanings inside of mundane objects, I frequently borrow diverse cultural references such as pop culture, like a sci-fi film or cartoon, or even historical facts to rebuild my imaginary world. Um, for example, um, I had a solar exhibition recently. Um, the title of the exhibition is Pure War. Uh, the term, the Pure War, uh, was invented by Paul Virilio, a French philosopher. The word itself uh, includes a huge contradiction. I got an inspiration from his theory uh, and the global political issues, especially the peace agreement between the North Korea and the U.S., 
and I connected the idea to the 12 animal paintings based on Chinese zodiac. The exhibition was about an infinitive loop of war throughout human history, deeply depending on the speed of technology. The production of paintings was a kind of ritual to pray for worldwide economic development and connections based on peaceful global political atmosphere, which is called peace and democratic economy system insisted by the current Korea government. Oh my goodness, there's so much to take in there. Your work is, um, so it's, I know it's very political and I want to talk to you a lot about that as well. Um, I know you mentioned South Korea a few times. Is, is that of, of significance to you personally or is that part of your work for another reason? Um, actually, uh, when, I working, uh, when I was working as an artist in South Korea, at the time, the political situation was really, how can I say, a little bit harsh to the artists, especially for the political artists. And this is the reason why I decided to start my career, I mean, the new career <laughs> in, a, in, in the UK society is more open and more, give more freedom. So yeah, so I'm really happy to working here. And yeah, I really feel appreciated about the UK art society. That is a fantastic positive. I'm so glad that you feel that way. Um, so why don't we start from the beginning? How did you become an artist? Did you have any formal training? Um, when I was in South Korea, um, I was trained as a conservator for all the ancient oriental paintings over, over a decade, I think so. Um, as you might know, the old historical paintings have their own special aura, um, as if I'm talking with the paintings continuously. Um, I think that I'm acting like a real historian. As Edward Helica, a British historian, says that real history is a continuous conversation between the past and the present. And likewise, the conversation between the ancient paintings and me has been extended further and further, which inspired me to become, a, become the contemporary artist who make, break, and make again over and over. Understood, understood. Now, we mentioned I, when you were speaking about your work we mentioned there's a lot of fantastical worlds and hidden meanings I think it would be really nice could you describe a piece of your artwork for the listeners just any choose a piece maybe so that they can really get an idea of what it is that we're talking about here oh well <laughs> there are so many works <laughs> at the moment and each work has uh, has so many stories inside for, for example actually the, the last year, uh, I, uh, in, the, in my solo exhibition, um, actually, I drew the, the 12 animal paintings. Mm -hmm. And the last month was the, the pig painting and the dog painting. Mm -hmm. And I just finished that work around the, the October, I mean, right before the October. And it is about the virus attack. <laughs> yeah, right. So especially it is about the, the wild meat vitamin markets and the virus spreading forward. Yeah. So I think that I predict the corona pandemic, I think so. so it's really creepy at the time. <laughs> that, is, that is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so there's so many political issues such as the North Korea and the, the US or <clears throat> corona pandemic and the criticism regarding the neoliberalism in an in economic system. It is pretty different from the, the political system. 
and some industrial changes and environmental issues. There's so many things I'm, I'm dealing with now. So Yeah, I'm looking at um, some of Hunky's work and this is the monkey um, of the zodiac sign, this particular piece. Um, but it's so beautiful and it's silk painting. And I, and I, I have so many questions about how you get the, like, the intensity of the colours. They're just beautiful and there's a lot going on in them. These, these aren't just sort of paintings of a monkey. This is sort of like there's a wheel and there's like a tree and there's like there's animals around. There's beautiful fish in the water. There's so much happening. So I, I just want to um, I just wanted to describe that for the listeners so that they can get an idea of what the beauty that we're talking about here. Now, I, I suppose this is an obvious question for artists, but what inspires you? How do you get inspiration for the projects that you undertake? Uh, mostly global political issues such as the new Cold War system. And as I mentioned before, the industrial changes and environmental issues and even corona pandemic inspires me to create a certain type of a universe where we can glimpse about our contemporary society. Mm-hmm. Um, most of all, uh, listening to diverse news media to get informed and to monitor fake news is my daily routine and philosophical and scientific text from the diverse backgrounds also influence my work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as a living creature, I naturally prefer to combine different and superior DNA from the other creature. Likewise, I try to get many, many, many inspiration from not only art fields, but also social science, biology, and even economics to extend my thought further and read hybrid images. Yeah, and these images really are a combination of a lot of different things that we're talking about, aren't they? So art, science, you mentioned biology, economics. They're a big fusion of East and West and a lot of different ideas. Um, you described yourself as a storyteller, which I think is uh, really interesting. Can you speak about why that is? Um, <clears throat> actually, the, the theory of the storyteller is, comes from the, the work of Benjamin. And he says that, Unlike information, the real story uh, never gives you the answer. It only disturbs the way you think, making a sort of cracks in your mind. And we people can restart from that frustrating moment in a positive way. And I think that it is a very beautiful contradiction. Just like a Rubik's Cube puzzle, uh, you might need to twist or even mess up something you have in your mind for long term to get a certain big picture. Um, As a result, a few stories of my paintings can be very disturbing (laughs) in in spite of adorable animals. Can you give me an example of disturbing? That is so interesting. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, The the previous uh, uh, exhibition, uh, I drew the skinned animals a lot, and it represented about the tradition of the oppressed. (laughs) <laughs> actually it, it looks really really creepy and spooky wow. uh, but yeah it was a super fun to <laughs> draw that thing that's so interesting oh my goodness and, and also let's okay let's talk about the fact that your work is political because this is a very common thread throughout your work can you speak about some of the topics I mean we've already spoken a little bit about South Korea but what about other aspects of your work being political. Yeah, right. Since the Candlelight Revolution 2017, uh, Korea society, where I used to live over 30 years, uh, dramatically changes in the political atmosphere. 
uh, there are still many, many political issues and side effects that came from over 100 years of historical tragedies in Korea Peninsula. However, the experience of a political triumph in 2017, people stamped out of the previous corrupt regime, and it means a lot not only to Korea people, but also people worldwide in that uh, it is uh, recorded as the first, first successful political movement based on peaceful atmosphere. Um, I personally believe that it changes the paradigm in contemporary political movement and art as a form of a political action also can support the changes, I think. Um, in my case, I tried to construct intellectual and artistic infrastructure for our next generation as a form of a political action in a moderate way. That was beautifully said. Really amazing. You must be very proud. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I mean, I think that the, the, movement, the political movement uh, also need to, need to be really changed according to our history, I think so. So I think that it is pretty different from the past, I think so. Now, I mean, let's talk about COVID-19. Unfortunately, we have to talk about <laughs> it. Um, how has your practice been affected? Because I know that you had things in the pipeline. Are there any kind of things that have changed for you, new ideas? Um, after cancellation of international art affairs, such as the Art Basel Hong Kong, Frege in London, and FIAC in France, uh, it seems a huge crisis in my future career. Uh, however, um, it also gives me such a great inspiration as well. Uh, since March, when I heard that the Hong Kong art budget totally canceled, <laughs> I have been creating a few series regarding COVID-19. And to be specific about how to overcome political nihilism after Corona pandemic. Uh, I can't tell it. I can't tell it very specifically due to the upcoming show in the High Art in Paris. Mm. Uh, but you might see them very soon when it is ready. So if you're really, really interested in the show, then please keep following me up, please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're gonna sh uh, tell listeners where to go so they can see your work at the end and how to keep up to date with what you're doing. Um, political nihilism is a really important topic right now. I think globally, right? How many works are there in the new series? Can you talk a little bit about it? Maybe describe some stuff or are you not allowed? <laughs> <laughs> it's right. uh, maybe I think that it's going to be around the, the seven big works, I think so. Uh, however, it depends on the schedule, I think. Yeah, yeah. And let's talk about, so you've been working with the High Art Gallery in Paris. That's where this exhibition is. So what are the ideas behind this body of work? Is it very based on the pandemic and political nihilism, as you said? Uh -huh. um, High Art in Paris is uh, one of the most see galleries in France, definitely. And they always support international artists with plentiful critics and diverse art programs, mm -hmm. and which leads them to be very successful in the contemporary art market so far. Uh, when my political viewpoint sometimes uh, become very tilted in a very certain way, <laughs> but we always talk and share ideas a lot and to make my narratives and images more flourish. But talk is sometimes over several hours, <laughs> so it is not easy work, but I always enjoy the challenges. I personally believe that it is a kind of the, the practice to share ideas, communicate each other uh, more fluently.
Yeah, awesome. Well, so that's the high, that's high art in Paris, which is the gallery. Yeah. I want to talk about your practice and how you, as I mentioned before, these pigments, it, it doesn't, they, it's so bold. Your work is so bold and beautiful. I want to know how is working with pigment on silk? This is traditional oriental painting. Um, how does it work? Um, <clears throat> most of the pigments are coming from natural resources, such as stone powder, mud or plant extraction. The technique and the pigment are usually used for making old oriental paintings. And I think that it is similar with the craft. Uh, it requires a lot of time and labor as well. Mm. Uh, making the, my whole practice like kind of the re religion. But nowadays I focus on material and color experiments for my next year project. Nice. And, and your use of colour in your work is, is obviously very important. Am I right in saying that? What Are there any specific ideas behind the use of certain colours? Uh, China, Japan and Korea paintings use a very specific colour and pigment uh, based on their own history. They look totally similar, but look, looking carefully is pretty different. Mm -hmm. In my case, I borrowed the technique from the, those uh, three countries and I even invented a few colours. Uh, it is it is a big secret, but I can tell that I'm using a light and transparency of the pigment together. That is so fascinating. You made your own colors. Oh my goodness! Can you can you tell us perhaps of a few examples of the significance of colors in your culture? Uh, for example, in South Korea, uh, the Korea painting usually used the stone powder, but unfortunately, the stone powder has a very not that diverse colors to be honest right so we needed to we need to apply some kind of plant extraction to change the color slightly for example uh under the the yellow stone powder i can apply the the blue one to make the green color so it's a, a very typical example of how to make the color more naturally sometimes it become really vivid mm. yeah like this <laughs> Nice. So you do have to, so the natural pigments, it requires you to edit them, change them, uh, change their composition to make them into the, the bold colours that you're using in your work. Is that right? Yeah, yes, right. It's a, basically, it's the water-based one, uh, but it's a pretty different from the Western paintings, I think so. Are there any specific colours that you prefer to use and why? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the yellow colours, the, the, especially the mud one, uh, is really, really strong because the particles are really, really thin. So it is, uh, the trans it is uh, pretty transparent. So when, we, when I apply the, the white colour behind the silk, the, it becomes more vivid. So this is how I work in the colour. So you block out the light basically with the white at the back, is that? Yes, right. Actually, the traditional paintings requires to paint the paint the front and the back side as well. Right, I see. And Pretty different. That's amazing and so interesting. Do do you do you paint on? So you paint on silk. Do, does it then go on canvas or how do you display the artwork? Uh, it is a secret. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like the yeah, because, secret. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna find out the secret. <laughs> yeah, because the the, the Korea, the, the kind of the audition paintings um, has very specific manual 
to produce that kind of paintings, but I changed a little bit depending on the situation. So it's like kind of my uniqueness. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, I won't push you on finding out your secret. I promise. I, 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 I respect. I respect your privacy on that matter. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But interesting, though. Um, I love the fact that you came up with your own way to uh, your own take on traditional Oriental painting. That's uh, really, really cool. All right. So let's talk about the narrative element. How important is the narrative element in your work? And can you give an example of? The, the, a narrative work that you've that you've done. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, right. A narrative is working significantly uh, in my works. Um, I use narratives, and each painting ends up with a multitude of references. Mm -hmm. Some references join others to create another narratives, and some references are at odds with another to fragment and abstract and some remains intact and others are altered accordingly. Mm -hmm. I try not to dictate in the end what each painting, each painting narratives in totally. My hope is that the paintings are indeed meaningful and, they, and that they related to our world through the strange narratives, I think so. In my case, before starting the work, um, I choose the, the one theme and I'm making uh, several narratives regarding to the theme, and I combine it into the, the one piece together. And sometimes it makes a new narrative, so when getting together, and it's a super fun and very improvised, so I really like that kind of procedure. The, the last year, I drew the mouse painting. It's the first to the month of the Chinese zodiac, and it is, I borrowed the, the narratives from the, some Bibles, and uh, some kind of animal stories and folk tales in South Korea. Mm. So when I combined it together, it gives me a really, really crazy narratives and super funny at the time. So yeah. I love that. All right, so, so I want to talk a little bit about what it's like as a creator. What's your sort of ritual or your uh, structure in your day? How, how, do you, how does being an artist work for you? <laughs> um, most works of mine are time and labor consuming. Uh, thus, I have to spend almost 10 hours a day and six or seven days a week. <laughs> so listening to the several news channels and audiobooks and mostly social science books, mm -hmm. I keep moving my hands to draw images and thinking about the next painting to save time. I think I'm pretty good at multitasking, I think so. So, and every night before going back home, I clean the street and the gallery in front of my studio for exercising. <laughs> and sometimes, yeah, sometimes go fishing to the small canal, 10 minutes by walk away from my studio. And it is always great pleasure to me. Yeah, it's important to have breaks, I imagine. And sort of, because you have to come back to creativity a bit refreshed, right? Yeah, right, right. Right. So, okay, let's talk about your favorite projects. I would like to know what your favorite projects are and why. It's a very typical question, but I think it's a really nice one because it shows what your real passions are with what you do. Yeah, um, I usually doing my project to the maybe one per year, I think so. But my favorite project is always the present one. So I personally believe that the meaning of artwork is not only limited to its result. It also includes a long process of making 
efforts and patience as well. Uh, these elements are a great pressure of the present, I think so. With the pressure, um, I can feel free from the past and that has gone by and a fearful and uncertain future. Thus, I still enjoy working for a long time and I feel so thankful what I have and my surroundings that allows me to live as a professional artist here. Yeah, that's awesome. I think there's always a sense of pride when you're doing what you love and you are getting paid for it, which is awesome. All right. Also, when people go and they look at your work, what kind of responses are you hoping for? What do you hope your audience will take from viewing your work? Um, I'm not a person who gives the lesson or answer. And I'm not an agitator or an activist who tries to enlighten people. I just want my paintings to work as a catalyst to, to provoke some question regarding how politics means to us and why we never stop talking about it. Uh, Parker J. Palmer, who wrote a book, Politics for the Broken Hearted, says that the democracy always makes noise, which tends to make people exhausted or even break their hearts really severely. However, by sharing ideas and keeping talking to each other, people can practice and learn how to communicate properly and live together harmoniously. As a mixture of a public square and the private chamber, the art field has been acting as a pivotal role in practicing and learning communication throughout history. Likewise, I hope viewers of my work try that experiment and experience in their in their daily life. Yeah, I love that. That's a really nice way of, of, of saying that. It's so important to share ideas and talk about things and learn as well. I think we never stop learning, hopefully. Um, and experimentation is key too. Uh, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. So, I mean, let's talk about, we talked about that you're working with high art in Paris this year. Um, can you talk about that current project or is that is secret <laughs> and exciting? <laughs> you have to go and see it, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I mean, I'm playing a solo. Ex uh, I'm playing a show with the high art in Paris this year. I think so, but unfortunately, I can't tell what it's exactly due to the security reasons. But you might know it very soon, where it's etc. Oh, very cool. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye out and I'll make sure that listeners know where to go to keep up <laughs> with you, which is going to be my next question. Where can listeners go to find out more about you and your work and just keep up to date with when this extraordinary exhibition is happening in Paris? Uh, yeah, uh, thanks to my gallery, uh, they allow me to focus on producing the work. So you can see most of my work and recent, to, recent works and the coming shows on the website in High Art in Paris. So you can just do, or you can just Google the gay gallery or the name to follow up the upcoming shows. Okay, great. So if you do want to find out more about Hunky's work, go to High Art in Paris and look up what he's doing and keep an eye out for those exhibition dates. Hunky, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for listening. 
So there you go. That was Hunky. I really hope you enjoyed our interview. He obviously talks a lot about the political edge to his work. And again, as I say, you know, this is an auditory platform, but it really does help if you look up the visuals when we're talking about them or just after. So if you can Google High Art Gallery in Paris, then definitely do have a look um, at some of the work we're talking about when it comes out. It's very, very exciting. He's got an exhibition and, you know, handled really well the fact that just like a lot of other artists, a lot of stuff has been cancelled for us a lot uh, this year but yeah onwards and upwards now some of my tips and tricks for staying creative and sane when we have to be indoors is that if you have got kids and I don't have kids myself so this is coming from a non-parent perspective but still nonetheless get them involved with some stuff you're doing if you're cooking get them involved get them to design the family album go outside take photographs get set tasks set challenges and one of the things I found as well is that I know this sounds silly and a bit cliche but you don't have to go far and wide to find beautiful things sunsets happen every day and they're often stunning why don't you sit outside look at the sunset look at the plants outside your house you know if you're in London watch the traffic watch the rain watch the reflections look at those things and look at the colours and look at the sounds listen just be in the moment I find that really really helpful sometimes when things feel a bit overwhelming and maybe just try something different I know that might sound a bit oh yeah okay whatever but really really try something different and give yourself permission to do something really terrible if you are picking up those pencils for the first time if you are you know using watercolor for the first time that's often one that people like to start with or acrylics or even oils you know if you feel that you can handle them I don't even know if I can handle them they're so messy but give yourself permission to do something bad it's not going to be a masterpiece straight off the bat Uh, tell yourself this one's going to be terrible and then you will be very surprised at how liberated you might feel and what effect that has on what you're creating so yes some tips and tricks that I gave on BBC Radio Cambridgeshire and they seem to go down okay for them so hopefully they'll be useful for you guys too that is unfortunately all we've got time for this afternoon but thank you so much for listening to Art Then and Now on Resonance 104.4 FM and I will see you next Thursday goodbye